November is an annual event where men grow mustaches in the month of November to raise awareness for men's health issues. In honor of November, Tenant Health Central Coast is focusing on men's health topics. This program is community service and is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. Listeners having questions about their health should make an appointment to see their personal physician. Any opinions or statements made during the program are those of the individuals or physicians making the statements and are not the opinions or statements of the hospital. This is another edition of Healthy Conversations, the podcast series from Sierra Vista Regional Medical Center and Twin Cities Community Hospital. Today, we're going to be talking about lung cancer and early detection screening. Now, so many of us are connected to or know someone with this disease, and hopefully with the information we learned today, we can catch it early so it can be treated more effectively. I'm joined today by Dr. Zach Regal, a pulmonologist at Sierra Vista. Dr. Regal, pleasure to have you here. I want to start by learning who is the most at risk for getting lung cancer. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here today. Uh, so. Patients at highest risk uh, for lung cancer are tobacco smokers, and um, there's definitely a dose-response relationship. In other words, the longer, the more somebody has smoked and the longer they have smoked for, the risk of developing lung cancer definitely goes up. Um, it is possible for non-smokers to, do, to get lung cancer, but they are the vast minority of lung cancer patients, and so those at most risk are smokers. So I'm curious, when you say smokers, how frequently does one need to smoke in order to be at risk? Sure, that's a, that's a great question. So we kind of measure tobacco smoking in what we doctors refer to as a pack year. And it's kind of a really, essentially a pack year is, um, you know, most people on average smoke about a pack a day. Some people smoke a little bit less, some people smoke a little bit more. Um, a pack year comes down to for every year that you've smoked a pack a day, that's one pack year. So for example, if somebody smoked one pack a day for 20 years, their tobacco exposure history would be 20 pack years. If they smoked two packs a day for, you know, 10 pack year, 10 years, excuse me, they would still have 20 pack years and so on. Um, and there's a fair amount of research that seems to suggest somewhere between 20 and 30 pack years is probably when the risk goes up pretty significantly. That being said, people who have smoked more like 10 to 15 pack years do still get lung cancers, but there's probably something around between 20 to 30 pack years that the risk really goes up. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And what about age? Is there a certain age where you are more at risk than other ages? Uh, yeah, that's an, also a good question. Well, cancer, any kind of cancer at the end of the day is is um, an abnormal cell growth or cell division. And the longer we live and the more our cells have a chance to divide, the greater the chance that there could be a problem in, in cell division and therefore developing cancer. Um, so the older you are, the higher the risk is. Um, Every once in a great while, people under the age of 55 or 60 do develop lung cancer, but most lung cancer patients are going to be over the age of 50 or 55. When you get into the 60s and 70s, and again, most people who are smokers of that age category have been smoking for, you know, probably more than 30 pack years. So, um, so yeah, the longer we live, uh, the higher the risk goes up. And again, probably somewhere around over the age of 50, the risk goes up pretty significantly. Okay, so if I can just reiterate, you're basically saying over the age of 50, especially if you're in that 15 to 20 pack year period, especially if you're still smoking, you are at risk. And another thing you also mentioned was uh, sometimes it's not related to smoking. Can you talk about maybe another reason why you might be um, susceptible to lung cancer? 
Sure. There are people who um, develop lung cancer who are never smokers or have minimal tobacco exposure history. And there's probably, well, there's definitely a genetic component that we don't, I think, fully understand at this point in time, but is is receiving a fair amount of research at this point in time. So probably more to come in the future on that. Folks who um, are never smokers or have minimal tobacco history tend to be uh, females, in particular females of East Asian descent, are at higher risk of developing um, uh, lung cancer. And again, that's not necessarily related to um, to tobacco exposure. The, the good news, if you will, for those patients is those lung cancers tend to have genetic mutations, um, such as something called the EGFR mutation, which is oftentimes can be treated very successfully with um, a newer class of medications, um, targeted molecular or genetic therapy. But in general, if you're looking at non-smokers, you're probably looking at, at, at females of East Asian descent. Okay. And, you know, I'm curious, at what point should these at-risk um, people that you're talking about consider getting checked for lung cancer? When when is it uh, maybe too late, and when when do you prefer people come in? Sure, that's a good question. So, the the problem with lung cancer, um, and probably worth saying that when you look at all types of cancer, lung cancer remains the most um, fatal cancer for both men and women. So of breast, prostate, uh, you know, colon cancer, all of those are, are serious problems. Uh, but lung cancer is the one that, that uh, has the highest mortality rate for both men and women. And um, the reason for that is probably because it doesn't necessarily create a lot of symptoms until it's uh, much larger and therefore widely widely spread. Symptoms of lung cancer when they present can include things like coughing, coughing blood, shortness of breath, unexplained weight loss, some of those kind of things. People with those symptoms, especially people who are over the age of 50 or 60 who have smoked for more than 25 or 30 years, probably should get evaluated um, via their doctor. But you really asked about people who don't necessarily have symptoms and whether or not there's a good screening test. And this is something that has been looked at in the medical literature for quite some time because, you know, in many other cancers like colon cancer, for example, we've made a lot of headway in um, reducing the mortality rate from colon cancer because we find it earlier with like a screening colonoscopy and that kind of thing. For a long time, um, chest x-rays were looked at as a potential screening test and even just submitting a, a sputum or a phlegm sample was looked at. And it was not found to be helpful to pick up uh, cancers, lung cancers early. And then um, in 2011, there was a very famous uh, large trial published in the New England Journal of Medicine called the National Lung Cancer Screening Trial. That was a trial done at multiple sites across the United States where they looked at patients who are between the ages of 55 and 74 who had smoked for at least 30 pack years. So again, a pack a day for 30 years or perhaps a pack and a half a day for 15 years or something like that, and were either still smoking or had quit less than 15 years ago. And they found that, and these are asymptomatic patients, patients with no symptoms. That's the idea behind a screening test. And they found that utilizing a low-dose CT protocol, uh, they were able to um, reduce the lung cancer mortality uh, and reduce the overall mortality. And uh, in that study, for about every 320 patients screened, they were able to prevent one uh, premature death with lung cancer. So from that, uh, many of the um, 
guidelines, including the Medicare guidelines, will cover a uh, lung cancer screening protocol for patients between the ages of 55 and 80 uh, who are, again, 30-pack years of tobacco exposure and either still smoking or quit less than 15 years ago. Yeah, so it really does sound like when you do express those symptoms, it's almost too late, you know, when you start coughing. And this study is right. fascinating. Yeah, the study is fascinating because it shows that um, people that were not showing any symptoms, they went in there, they were proactive, they got this um, CT uh, low-dose scan done early, and they were able uh, to treat it, uh, I'm assuming, more effectively. So talking about this low-dose CT scan, tell us a little bit about how it works. Um, sure. So it's a, I mean, it's a CT scan. So from the patient's perspective, you kind of lay down in this um, tube and this thing runs up and down your, your chest and it's, it's over. It doesn't take terribly long to do. And um, the issue with CT scans is, is always has to do with, you know, radiation exposure and, and, and things like that. And we've been able to develop a CT protocol that uses a um, dramatically less amount of radiation, so reduce the risks of the screening test, and still gives us adequate pictures to be able to look inside the lungs and um, pick up very small uh, lesions that are not creating any symptoms and um, might be early cancers. Some cases are early cancers. So is there a difference between a low-dose CT scan you're talking about and a traditional X-ray or MRI? Because I think when I'm thinking about it, I think that you go, you lay down and this, you go into this tube of this machine and you're there for uh, a long period of time. Can you talk a little bit about the differences? Sure. So um, a little bit of it is probably terminology. A, a chest X-ray is a more traditional, um, you know, X-ray test. Usually you're, you're you're standing up and images are taken from a camera. It doesn't take very long. Um, oftentimes we get a, a view from the, um, from the back looking to your front and then also from the side. An MRI is a magnetic resonance imaging test, which takes much longer to do than a chest X-ray or a CT scan. And it, it, it's actually interesting you ask because MRIs have not traditionally been used for um, imaging the lungs very much, but they are being looked at in different research protocols and they may be something that we do more in the future. But a CT scan is um, different than, than both of those in that you're laying down similar to an MRI, but it's much quicker than an MRI and um, uh, I think probably easier from the patient's perspective. Uh, and it provides us with more detailed images of the inside of your lungs than the chest X-ray, for example. In fact, a chest X-ray will sometimes miss, oftentimes can miss very small early cancers just because it's not as good a picture as a CT scan. Yeah, it sounds much better and more comprehensive um, than a traditional CT scan. How about any prep work that a patient needs to do? You know, like sometimes there's fasting that's involved or something that mm -hmm. the patient has to sure. do 24 hours before. Is there anything like that for right. this? Uh... Nope, there's no, there's no prep work. There's no fasting. Um, in, this, in this protocol, we don't utilize contrast, so there's no problems if you have kidney disease or any issues like that. And um, I think probably the most important thing for patients to understand is that um, a screening CT scan will pick up things that are non-cancerous um, and sometimes can lead to additional CT scans or, or, even, or even biopsies of lesions that turn out to be, to be benign. One of the interesting things about our lungs is that they're anatomically inside our body, but physiologically exposed to the environment all the time. So we certainly can see little small scars or little small 
um, you know, things that might look abnormal on the CT scan that do not turn out to be cancers. But if you're in that category that we talked about between the ages of 55 and, and 80 with a 30-pack year history and either still smoking or have recently quit, you know, the risk-benefit ratio overall really, really favors trying to find a lung cancer early. And so I, I tend to support this. Um, but I think it's important for people to understand that we may find things that end up being benign. Yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. So um, I just had a question about frequency. So let's say that you do mm -hmm. fit into that at-risk category of patient. Do you just get this scan once, and then once you detect mm -hmm. nothing, you're you're okay, or is this something you should be getting more frequently? Sure. Good, good question. So right now um, we're recommending right right now the the recommendation is to do it on an annual basis until you reach that that age category of of 80 years of age. Um, now, in the event that a screening CT scan was done and a small lesion was found that kind of meets that category, we say, you know, we're not really sure. We may need to get a, a follow-up CT scan or something sooner than that to, to keep an eye on it. Um, but in general, if you pursue a screening CT scan and it's completely negative, then the re recommendation would be to redo it the following year. And finally, if, if a patient is interested in getting a... Um this low-dose CT scan, should they just talk to their primary care physician? How do they go about getting this done? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would, yeah, definitely would recommend that they touch base with their primary care physician, talk about their risk of lung cancer, talk about smoking cessation if they are still smoking, because one of the one of the misnomers that I, I want to be sure we, do, we don't <laughs> perpetuate is um, people think, oh, I'll just get a CT scan. I don't need to quit smoking. They'll find a cancer early on me. And that's that's not necessarily true. Um, if you're concerned about lung cancer and you want to reduce your risk, uh, quitting tobacco smoking is, without a doubt, the most important thing you, you can do. Um, there are medications that can help with that. There are counseling things, cognitive behavioral therapy, different things like that that your primary care doctor should certainly have access to helping you with. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, hey, I'm in that in that category, um, then I would definitely approach your primary care doctor and say, I, I, you know, I'd like to pursue this, um, and, uh, and they can help get you plugged into the system. All right. Well, this has been super informative. It is crazy how many lives um, smoking and lung cancer have claimed and continue to claim, and it's really good to know about what seems to be a pretty... Uh, easy and painless way to be proactive with your health, um, especially if you are in that at-risk zone, um, 55 and up um, for lung cancer. So, you know, Dr. Regal, thank you so much for being here and for your time today. For a referral to a board-certified physician, please call the Sierra Vista Regional Medical Center and Twin Cities Community Hospital Physician Referral Line at 866-966-3680. I'm Prakash Chandran. Thank you so much for listening.